Hello and welcome to Artemisate's Life. I'm John Reynolds and this is the podcast that looks at the relationship between our world and the creative arts through the eyes of creatives. On today's episode I'll be talking to Benji Holmes who's a good friend of mine. He's a musician, songwriter and an activist as well and we'll just be talking a lot about how music inspired him and influenced him. You can listen to Benji Holmes's debut EP on Spotify by just searching Benji Holmes or Coming Alive and Falling Asleep. Hope you enjoy today's episode. I I am I'm tired mostly because that's just that's just the way it be. Um, how are you? Exactly. Yeah, I'm doing okay. Thanks. I mainly started this to kind of pass the time because I'm in that weird stage between just waiting for my degree results. So I don't know what I've got yet, and like kind of finishing uni, and I've not really got a plan because it's hard to plan with everything that's going on at the moment. Yeah. Um. We we just got our final ones back. Um today yesterday i don't know time has no meaning um and they uh, did this whole thing of like oh well we're gonna we're gonna take into account um people's like exceptional circumstances and all this and did they bollocks like just, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, they just couldn't give a shit did, did you guys get um a no detriment policy or anything like that yeah they kind of said that they were gonna they said they were gonna take everything into, into account so hopefully hopefully they will um I don't know how much they will, but yeah, it's it's a weird one. Yeah, I mean, Lancaster's told us literally. Fuck, I, I wish I was at somewhere like uh, Liverpool or Birmingham or just somewhere where, like, I don't know. The, the league tables are a lie, man. I was told, like, yes. hey, come to Lancaster, <laughs> we're we're dead eye up there, and it's just bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk about music then. Can you remember when you first kind of discovered that you had this love of music? I don't know. It's, it's kind of always been present in my life. My uh, my parents are huge fans of music. My dad um, grew up on Northern Soul, and uh, is also a diehard mod. Um, my stepdad's a big punk guy. Um, my mum loves ABBA, so we don't talk about music. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and yeah, I think I, the first album that really spoke to me and that, that got me into music in general was a uh, Fallout Boys from Under the Cork Tree. And I had this this moment where I came home from school, and um, Kerrang was on my dad just had it on in the background and I caught the end of dance dance and it was like this religious experience where um just yeah it's just something clicked for me I thought I, this is amazing I have to hear the rest of this so I got the album listened to it a million times that led me on to like My Chemical Romance All American Rejects and yeah I just kind of had you know everyone has like a natural progression they get into harder stuff softer stuff and I, I've never not had a period of my life where I wasn't obsessed with one band or another and I wasn't trying to learn instruments and it's, yeah, it's just always been present in my life, but that I think that's a solid moment where I can trace back to where it started. That's brilliant. Would you say that your parents had a really big influence on your music taste then? Because I know a lot of people think it's uncool to like what your parents like, but for me personally, my dad's got me into the Beatles, which we'll talk a bit about later. I know <laughs> we, we disagree about them, but my mum got me into like the Smiths and the Police and things like that. Do you think your parents had a much bigger influence on kind of getting you into bands? Uh, I think definitely, yeah. I mean, um, some of the the earliest music I started learning on, on guitar was Green Day, which um, my dad and my stepdad are both really into. And then, you know, a lot of those old school punk and mod bands, the, the guitar work is deceptively simple. So it was really easy to learn that shit. Um, am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, cool. Fuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think... Um, and, and weirdly, at the same time, uh, my mum and I, and I have very different music tastes. 
and that kind of like pushed me rather than it pulled me in one direction so even by not liking the same stuff um, I was influenced by by uh, my family's music tastes but then uh, when I was a kid I started getting into much heavier stuff that no one in the family really related to um, so I was just I kind of like went off on my own then and that was when my own musical journey started. Oh brilliant like I feel like a lot of the time my parents would say like oh you'd like this particular musician like I remember like David Bowie's my favorite artist of all time but I remember when my dad said oh you like David Bowie and then he didn't really get me into him it was kind of like oh you'd like him and kind of explore it for yourself so was kind of exploring things that were similar to the bands that you you were already into because of your parents was that a big factor in helping you enjoy music yeah I think definitely my my dad um because he he was a big um scar guy and stuff so um a lot like the pop punk bands that he could relate to um we kind of discovered them around a similar time I, I remember actually i went to um was it 2017 i went to slam dunk festival in leeds and i saw all these these really big scar bands like like real big fish and stuff and um like a few months later i remember my dad saying hey have you heard of the, this band real big fish and all, all these like later wave scar bands that he was getting into um that, that i already knew about and i was like is this have we come full circle and i'm giving him music to listen to now um yeah, I think you can definitely see a progression of the stuff I was introduced to as a kid because like, my, my stepdad likes old school punk and then now I started getting into the much heavier, like hardcore kind of stuff um, because, you know, when you're young, you have more of a stomach for that kind of, that kind of heavy shit. Um, yeah, I, I think you can definitely chart like a progression from the seeds that they planted. How about growing up in Manchester? Because I know uh, other people from Liverpool will kill me for saying this, but Manchester's the <laughs> capital of music in the UK. Oh, yeah. Oh, it is. Um, you know, it's funny because I, I, I live... Whenever people ask me where I'm from, I always give them different answers depending on where they're from. So if they're from England, I'll say I'm from near Bolton. Yes. When really I'm, I'm from a tiny little town in the borough of Bolton. And um, I never really clicked much with Bolton. It's, it's a really nice town, parts of it anyway. Um, but Manchester for me was where it was at and, and yeah the music scene's always been amazing um, weirdly enough I, I didn't really relate that much to a lot of the big bands from Manchester I'm, I'm not I don't like the Smiths not a Smiths guy at all um, I like Oasis in the same way that you know it's kind of impossible not to it's like it's catchy like easy to follow mm-hmm. music but I wouldn't call myself a huge Oasis fan um, but then I did get to, because of Manchester, like I say, it's the capital of music. It's got such a rich history. All the bands want to play there. So, you know, like the MEN Arena and stuff or whatever it's called now, actually. Um, yeah, I got to see loads of, of bands from varying sizes because any band that comes here from the States wants to play Manchester. You know, they want, they want to do all the big places in London and, and the Midlands, obviously, but then Manchester is always a big stop. Um, I, think, I remember seeing Green Day when I was really young um, at the MEN. Um, and Billy Joe Armstrong just kept raving about like that this is one of my favorite places to play I was I'm sure they say that everywhere but (laughs) it felt special when I was a kid yeah Manchester definitely had an impact because that history speaks a lot to later generations of musicians absolutely and like the amount of talent that Manchester's produced is just unbelievable especially people from backgrounds that weren't even musical like yeah I know that you're not particularly a Smiths fan, but I know that they kind of yeah. <laughs> just started from really working class families. There was no like real yeah, musical yeah. background. Can you remember when you first picked up a guitar or when you first decided to learn music yourself? I think I was in like year three. So, so, so how old is that? I was like seven or eight, right? Yes. Um, 
and yeah, and this guy I'd never seen before poked his head in and said, hello, we're doing sign-ups for guitar lessons. And I thought, I listen to music with guitars in it. Like, you know, the, the, is there any kid that doesn't want to be a rock star at some point? You know, so I just thought, why would I not do that? Um, started learning, you know, I learned all the basics. Um, and then I started high school and I actually went off it for a while. And then when I was like 15 or so, um, there were a couple songs that just clicked. I pick up, picked up my guitar that I hadn't touched for like a year, year, year and a half. Um, and then it just kind of slotted into place. And then I, I think most people who learn instruments will say like, there is a learning curve, obviously, but every now and then you'll kind of cross a threshold and suddenly you'll be able to do things that you weren't doing like the day before. Um, so I had one of those moments. I was like, oh, this, that's what it feels like to actually play an instrument properly. That's awesome. I'm going to do more <laughs> of that. And then, yeah, then I went on to bass. I learned a bit of drums, a little bit of piano, um, tried to learn how to sing to varying degrees of success. Um, and yeah. Were you all self-taught then or did you have lessons at any point? Um, I went back into lessons in high school, but you know, like it was like 15, 20 minutes a week. You have to get on it yourself as well. You know, um, fortunately guitar is by far the easiest instrument to learn, especially nowadays because it's, it's been in every major style of music for the past like 70 years, maybe. Um, so there's so many resources out there and then it's a very intuitive instrument. So yeah, I, I was, I was looking up tutorials online and then I was just kind of messing around with it, coming up with chords that you have a lot of moments where you think you've invented something brand new and then you, you kind of like, you try to write it down and you look it up and no, this is, people have been doing this for a while. I'm not, I'm not the innovator. I thought <laughs> I was, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's possible to not teach yourself at least a little bit really. When did you decide to take that step from playing like cover songs of like bands and artists that you really admired and then writing your own songs? Um, I don't think there were, there was much time in between first learning those, like, you know, the, the early stuff I was learning was like Green Day, um, All Time Low, just really simple, like power chord kind of bands. Um, and, you know, once you get those basic shapes, you learn that you can play them in any pattern you want. And then just this, this door is unlocked because it's, it's an almost infinite number of possibilities. Um, the first time I actually started writing stuff down and recording it though, I was probably around 15 and I just thought, you know, I connect very strongly with this stuff. Um, I watch these guys in interviews and they talk about why they write. Um, and one, one really common thing was like, no, I want to inspire other people to, to learn how to write. And I was like, well, I'm not really doing it if I'm not writing my own stuff, am I? So, um, yeah, lyrics, I was writing from a very, very early age. Um, so I've, I've just got a huge database of just, hundreds of text files with just random lyrics scrolled Aww. down. Some of them are like full songs and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I think it was, it was a very natural progression, especially when you start off being into that very basic or very like musically potent kind of stuff. So do you go for the lyrics first and then do the melody or is it kind of like just a mix of whatever? Um, it, it used to always have to be music and then I put lyrics to it because I, I just wasn't strong enough as a as a musician and as a songwriter to provide melody for my lyrics i had to have that inspiration first now i have gotten much better at putting some lyrics down and thinking you know well let's look at these lyrics are they are they happy are they sad are they are they aggressive and then being able to put some stuff to that figuring out like a melody in my head and then being able to translate it which you know that that's one of many things that is really determined by your skill as a musician which is why it's important to keep practicing everything absolutely and yeah, I think it's just good to experiment and see whatever style suits you because every every songwriter is going to have a different way of writing things. 
Yeah. Where did the idea of your um, your debut EP, uh, Coming Alive, Falling Asleep, come from? Um, so I, that, that's an idea that's kind of been present in my head since I was like 13, 14. Um, I, I struggle with uh, mental health stuff a lot um, through most of my adolescence. Um, and, you know, get, getting uh, diagnoses and stuff is, is always a nightmare. You know, the, the NHS is, is so um, under-supported, especially mental health-wise. But um, anytime I was able to get in front of a professional, what I always got told was, you know, it's probably something like um, seasonal depression or bipolar disorder, something that results in fluctuations of mood rather than just constantly being in, in, in one state of mind or another. And so that idea of um, almost any given moment, I very rarely have an in-between. I'm usually either very up and animated and I want to do stuff or I'm just completely out of it and I've got no interest in anything. Um, and, that, and that's the contrast that's explored throughout that album, that album, the EP. Um, and, and yeah, I think I like the contrast was such an important part of it. I thought that that's just such an easy name to, to attach that to. Um, so when that name came in my head, I knew that was, that was going to be the basis for it. Um, and then, yeah, the rest of the songs I figured should continue to be quite personal with only brief mentions to the outside world. And yeah, I just talked about different aspects of my mental health and, um, it just kind of blossomed from there. You know, if it, if it infects every part of your life like that, you're not going to have a hard time thinking of all the stuff to write about. Absolutely. Do you think it's important to specifically write songs about your own personal experiences? Because I know that's something that you do a lot in your work. Mm. Um, I think, it, especially if you go through some kind of struggle, is, is particularly important because the chances of you being the only person who's gone through anything that you've gone through is almost zero you know there'll be someone else in a similar position to you and if you have the means to show something for it i think that's that's an incredibly positive thing to put out in the world even if it never makes it to that other person um obviously um the wider world and its relationship with art is incredibly important but you are still the artist so it's no matter how extrospectively you want to write it will always, always be filtered through your own personal experience, your say in the world and where you stand. So uh, not only is it important, I think it's, it's impossible to not do, really, to some degree. Absolutely. Do you have a favourite song on your EP? Uh, I think... Well, so, so I, had to, I had to record and produce it entirely myself in my bedroom. So, it's, you know, it's not, it doesn't exactly sound professional, but um, I think production-wise, the best sounding one is probably coming alive or coming alive um musically though i'm probably most proud of cold out colder in um and i I was really happy with how the lyrics turned out um i that was the first song where i had sat down with a specific idea of what i wanted to write and that idea just manifested i didn't have to um uh change it i didn't have to make any concessions for it i was really able to get it how i imagined it um and yeah i think that represented a very strong point in my development as a songwriter i do think it sounds really professional like i think it's the sort of thing that you could just listen to and then you wouldn't even think it was just created by one guy like on his own in his house (laughs) what was the process for in terms of recording it and mixing it and editing it like what software did you use and which equipment Um, so i I had a i had a cubase um and uh, just a bunch of like, I had a guitar bass, um, different like drum samples and things like that, drum machines. Um, Cause obviously I didn't, I didn't have a drum kit. And even if I did, um, there was no way I was gonna get away with doing yes. that with the neighbors and everything. Um, so the, the writing all came first because I knew, you know, I was sharing a house with the rest of my family. 
um, my windows for recording wouldn't be quite narrow. So I needed to have everything ready to go. So I wrote the whole thing, um, lyrics and all. Um, first thing I did was get all the drums down, then the bass, because you need your rhythm section first. Um, and then I tried to get as much of the guitar done in one day as possible, which, which was a nightmare. Um, cause of course a million things are going to go wrong and you, the one time you're going to mess it up is when you're recording. <laughs> um, yeah. So then over the course of a couple of days, I got the, the guitar done and then, um, I actually started taking my recording kit, um, between my houses. My, my mom and dad live apart and I actually got a lot of the vocals done when my dad wasn't at his place and I just had it empty to myself. Cause that just seemed like I was going to be the least self-conscious. So yeah, I was just, I was just, screeching these vocals out on my own um really buoyed by the fact that i knew no one was around to hear it um and then production was really more guesswork than anything and just constantly looking online for you know how do, how do i get rid of this muddy sound how do i <laughs> make things sound a bit bit cleaner um and yeah it, it's the the resources that online are amazing which you know if that community didn't exist no way was i ever going to be able to create any any of the stuff i wanted to make yeah, absolutely. It sounds like it's so much fun, but also really accessible. Definitely not easy, but kind of, do you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you think like making music is becoming more accessible? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, one uh, YouTube channel that really helped me was uh, the recording revolution, which I, I definitely recommend to people who want to learn that stuff. Um, and, you know, prices are falling, you know I mean? Uh, the recording equipment I'm looking at in my room right now um, was like 70 something quid. Um, which you know, not not a small amount of money, but especially if you're at the point where you get your own part-time job, that's definitely something you can save up for. Um, guitars and other instruments are becoming more affordable. Um, you can get like free versions of recording software. You know, Audacity is free. You know, it's it's not um, life-changing software, but it but it's free and it's got a surprising amount of power. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, the the community is probably the biggest aspect because you've got like actual Grammy winning producers willing to just share their ideas and, and their experience. Absolutely. What do you think it is about other, about music itself that kind of separates it from other mediums? I think, well, well, music as a medium dates back before we could even write anything down. You know, when people had to remember things or they wanted to tell stories, they would turn them into songs because it was the easiest way to remember them. Um, so, you know, I think, I think that it triggers something very primal in us. Um, it's also the fact that, you know, you can have a radio playing in a car, but any car that has like a, um, like an MP4 player in there, most of them won't work if the car's in motion. You know, you can't watch a movie while you're driving um, or while you're at work or while you're trying to write something, but you can listen to music, you know, even if it's just ambient stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think it's a combination of, it's one of the earliest things mankind has ever done um, as, as a practice. And it's just so fitting for any situation, you know, like you, you, you always have music in films, but you don't necessarily need a film to go with your music, you know? Absolutely. And like you said, it's just accessible and mm. it can be performed anywhere. I know that you do gigs at like local bars and stuff. Have you been, yeah. how have like the most recent ones gone like before? Before the lockdown, have you been performing in Lancaster or back home? Uh, so I, I got really busy over this past year. I was I was working with um with I was working at and, and it's weird to say working at because it was just a student society, so I was unpaid. But uh, the the radio station here in Lancaster, Bellrig FM, uh, eight seven point seven Bellrig FM or online. <laughs> um, so th that took up so much of my time. Um, 
actually wasn't able to get a lot of gigging done but then fortunately we organized our annual battle of the bands so i, th I think that was the last thing i actually played at um and i was hoping to use this time to to get some gigs done in summer while people are at the, at the pubs and everything but um the last paid gig i did oh, i think it was before going to uni so it's it nearly nearly two years ago now um was it was actually at uh, somebody's birthday party i think um, and that went great because, you know, especially pe people are always going to get drunk. You know, you're mostly likely to be playing at a bar or a party or something. And the, the more drunk people are, the more they want to sing along. And that's, you know, if you're playing your own stuff, at, like a pub, you're doing it wrong, really. You want stuff people can sing along with or they're just going to ignore you. You know, even if you, even if you are a great songwriter and a great performer. Um, and fortunately, that's something that I realized early on, you know, whether it was a lack of confidence or, or what. Um, I was, early on, I was like, no one wants to hear my stuff. So let's just play the Proclaimers and, you know, the Oasis and the Beatles if I absolutely have to. Um, you know, and so, so yeah, they, they generally go pretty well. Fortunately, people are quite supportive of people they see on stages. You know, no one wants to see someone going through a shit time. Do you ever get to play your own music live at all? Uh, I usually throw in at least one original. Um, the, the easiest ones to play... Um, other ones that translate to acoustic best because obviously it's just me and me and my acoustic guitar um i i would love to see the day where i can play the bigger more complicated stuff that needs more instrumentalists with me or, or maybe backing tracks um but yeah i usually try to throw at least one in but but then again you, you don't want to oversaturate it especially if you've only got like an hour long slot that goes much quicker than you would think it does um and, and you have to be a crowd pleaser absolutely do you think like the acoustic versions of it sound like give anything new or different because i know that a lot of artists don't like playing the songs on acoustic but do you think yeah. it gives it like a different feeling or i think um so, so much creative innovation comes out of being limited you know i mean i remember an interview with jack white where he talked about um he always tries to remember the number three and that's what he tries to base his is his songs around you know like a table needs three legs to stand minimum um, and that, that's how he tries to write his songs. And I think that kind of limitation is actually very good for creativity as long as you're willing to do the work to innovate through it. Um, and what that usually means for me is that um, I'm kind of translating several different instrumental parts onto one instrument. So I'm, I'm having to concentrate on that and sing. And, you know, I don't have any harmonies backing me up. It's just my voice. So I might... Um, just turn the power up in the vocals a bit more. I might change the vocal melodies to make them more interesting. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it, it, anyone who really hates changing how their songs have been put together, I think what really they hate is, is revisiting something that they thought was done. And, and, and I, I never get tired of coming back to work that I've already done. I, I wish I could keep rewriting stuff forever before I put it out in the world, but you know, eventually you have to slap your name on it and put it out there. So what does it feel like playing your own songs live? Does it feel more kind of like personal and like you're telling people about yourself or does it just feel like something you're used to? Uh, you know, I always thought it would feel very revealing and that, that I would feel kind of naked, um, especially, you know, as, as I was saying, my, my EP and a lot of my other stuff um, that, that hasn't been released in the same way um, is, is very personal, deals with mental health stuff. But then when you think about it, most songs are, and a lot of the time you will hear the lyrics of a song and if you if it's a band that you really love you'll pay attention but a lot of the time you kind of just let it flow through you and it is what it is so i don't think i kind of realize people aren't really going to be thinking about what i'm saying that much and if they do 
great because maybe that means they'll want to hear the song again and then they'll go check out my Spotify or they'll, they'll follow me on my, on my socials. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think really that vulnerability is, is, is a good thing and it's, it's not as scary as you think it's going to be. Absolutely. And I think one of the great things about music is that people can find different meanings in your songs. Like you might have written something yeah. very like L, L, for example, that's really personal. People might listen to it and go, oh, I can relate to that as well. Do you think that's one of the things that you're trying to do when you write songs or is it just something that happens and it's just inevitable? Um, I think, you know, like, like I said earlier, the chances of you being the only person that's ever suffered through something is just non-existent. Um, there are only so many like film plots out there because humans are just so habitual in our behaviors. And I think the same thing applies to music. You know, everybody has had their heart broken. Everybody has, um, everybody has used something as a crutch. Everybody's been vulnerable. Everybody's been happy. So I think as long as you're not literally writing a song, that's like, you know, using people's first and last names, which you should never do anyway. Um, people are always going to find ways to relate to it. Um, you know, even in the case of something like L, which, you know, is, is my specific experience, someone else will have gone through it or something like it and you can approximate it. And, you know, I think especially it's kind of like this horoscope effect that people want to apply those words to themselves anyway. So they'll, they'll find ways to do that. And, and I think that's one of the most amazing things about art in general. One of the um, one of the bands that you can't relate to as much as a lot of people is the Beatles. What's your kind of like thoughts and opinion on the Beatles? So I mean, I, I understand when people say they want to separate the art from the artist. I personally struggle to do that quite a bit, um, and maybe because I, I grew up on all this like emo stuff where the art was the artist. Um, but you know, just right off the bat. They're not great people. I'll focus on John Lennon specifically. He was not a good dude, you know, like domestic abuse, like neglecting his kid. Um, and then if, and, and I think that's particularly relevant to the Beatles because this is a guy who was always singing about like peace and love and all that shit, but then he was a very violent, aggressive guy. So how real can the music really be if that's who he was underneath? And also just, I, I don't think there was that much exceptional about any of them as musicians or songwriters. I, I, I think lots of people at the same time you know whether it's the stones the animals whoever um were just as if not more instrumentally talented but didn't get there first i think that really was what it was they just got there before a lot of other people did and not even entirely through their own fault i could i could write a novel about this <laughs> i don't I'm trying, I'm trying to restrain myself well what you said reminds me of like roger daltrey for some reason like the fact that in the 60s and 70s, he was kind of this big figure of like, you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll and kind of like an anti-establishment figure. And now he's just like a racist old man. Yeah, <laughs> I right. Just find it... like, I remember, um, I think it was Johnny Rotten who was like, he was in this interview <laughs> and he was saying like, we were the real, with the real punks, and like, these wankers out here trying, trying to fake it. And it's like, ah, how punk of you trying to tell the young'uns they're doing it wrong. It's like, <laughs> do you not see? You've become the very thing you swore to destroy. Absolutely. And like, one thing that I love about your music is like, I can, it just feels so like real and relevant and like personal, but do you find it hard to relate to music that's not? I know you've talked a bit about the Beatles and things like that. Um, I think, especially if it's something from a different era, so, you know, like, um, what's a good example? Um, if you look at like, uh, really like old school blues and where that came from, you know, it, it was like, originated among among slaves in 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 america um so for them to that develop to the point where you've got 
as with a lot of styles of music, you had you had white people appropriating it, kind of slapping their own name on it, but singing similar words and about similar themes. Like it's like when you read a classic novel by someone, and it's from the point of view of like this really wealthy middle class person who's like going through a hard time, and it's like you're still rich though. <laughs> it, it, that that's the biggest thing for me is when a contextual factor makes it hard to really believe what these people are saying. I mean, there's a there's a Fall Out Boy line that's like um. Uh, imperfect boys with perfect lives nobody wants to hear you sing about tragedy I, I think that's the line and, and that, that really resonates with me so yeah if, if it just feels like someone's really kind of trying to blag their way through it and speak to pain that isn't really theirs I think it's very obvious and, and you know I think most people can actually pick up on that even if they don't realize they're doing it are you working on anything new at the moment yeah you know um I I so so my, my second term of uni ended and then then all this kicked off um, and, you know, I, I'd actually planned out, you know, I'm going to get my coursework done. I'm going to prep for um, my exams and everything. And then here's this big plan of music stuff I want to do. But then just so many wrenches got thrown in different parts of the works. Um, you know, I wasn't able to gig and, and make, make some of the, the cash I was, I was hoping to make. Um, and yeah, I, I had quite a lot put together, but I, I have now been able to get back at it because uh, I, have, I have all my kit in one place again. Um, I'm currently working on a new song with a friend of mine who's going to be working production. Um, I, I I couldn't even say right now, but I think around, when was this? This is coming out like in Augustish, right? Yes. So, so like around then, maybe there'll be something new out. Um, and I'm I'm really gonna gonna work towards it because it's been far too long. I realised the other day that my EP is like two years old, and that's unacceptable. I, ha I have to get something <laughs> else out there. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to be working at that um, pretty hard. I'm really excited for that. What are your plans for music after you leave uni? Are you going to carry on writing? And... Um, yeah, I don't think I could ever not. Um, you know, even if I never got anywhere with music, if I, I really hope that one day, even if I don't get anywhere with music, I have enough money to have like a semi-okay recording studio in my house. Um, you know, whether, that, whether that's feasible is a different question, but um, I, I'm never going to not write. And, you know, like we were talking about the accessibility, I've always got my recording kit. Um, I can always sit down and just pluck a few notes out and see where it takes me. Um, if I were to have any kind of success, um, I could definitely see myself, you know, getting out on tour because I, I am desperate to travel and to just spend some time out on the road. And if, if it's music that gets to take me out there and do that, that's, that's just perfect for me. Um, yeah, I, I will never stop doing it, but, you know, I don't really have a hard and fast plan in terms of, you know, this is how I'm going to become successful and this is where I'm going to be in 10 years. I'm just, I'm just seeing how we go, to be honest. You definitely have the, the ability. It's just the case of kind of someone noticing you or picking you up at all. Let's stop complimenting. <laughs> Thanks so much for talking to me, Benji. Thank you very much for having me, man. It was good to talk to you. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. I really enjoyed talking to Benji all about music and hearing about his influences and how he writes his songs. I'm not being biased, but I'm a really big fan of his album, and I do listen to it quite a lot. I'm really excited to see what he does next. Benji's worked on a lot of our films that we've done, and he's written loads of really great original songs as well, which have just been amazing. Again, you can check out his work on Spotify just by typing in his name. That's all we've got time for for today's episode. I hope to see you again very soon, but until then, bye bye for now. <laughs>